Welcome back, Howl History. Derek and Chad, we're here with you once again. This is our first attempt to really start looking forward at the 2022-2023 Minnesota Timberwolves. We spent our last few episodes really recapping the, the previous year, the year that was, the 46 and 36 Minnesota Timberwolves and their playoff run. Uh, but we are back now. We're going to start taking a look at a, a very high level of what some targets might look like, what we might think would be options for the offseason. And then after we kind of do this at a high level, after we kind of get through our brief, uh, you know, 30,000-foot look at what the, the landscape looks like coming up to this offseason, we're going to start taking a look and walking through each of the individual teams throughout the NBA and t- targeting and identifying different players and uh parts of their roster or ways that they could help impact or influence the Timberwolves moving forward. So uh, before we deep dive, though, Chad, let's uh, let's take a look at it from from far away. So how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. It's a beautiful, beautiful afternoon. The sun's out. I got the windows open. So if any uh, if any big, big trucks go by or anybody pulls up that my do- dog wants to bark at, you might hear that. But otherwise, we're, <laughs> we're doing pretty well. I had mine open, but I shut it before we jumped on because... My neighbor is looking like he's going to mow. I don't know. He's like just kind of tinkering around in his backyard. So I don't, he's like also, he's one of those, he's a great guy, but he's one of those guys that like, he has a couple sheds and he goes out like, I would say once a month, completely empties every shed. Yeah. And then like refills it. <laughs> like it's, I don't know exactly what, like, cause he's got a bunch of toys. He's got four wheelers. Right. Snowblowers, whatever. Like, and so it's like, he lays it all out. On, he has a big patio, lays all the different toys out on the patio, and then he just starts, like, putting them back in. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what – he's doing some of that. He's not doing, like, a big one like he normally does. Yeah. But he's got a, a handful of toys out, and then he's also, like, been going around picking stuff up in the yard. So I think he might mow. So Yeah. I, uh, I, I mowed yesterday. I had a couple people mention to me that no mow may is a thing. but uh, I just heard that, too. So I was like, well, I don't think anybody in my neighborhood – I mean, I think I think people observe no mo may, but not because of no mo may. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. I haven't mowed yet this year, but part of it, like my backyard, I big chunk of it's just like underwater right now. Sure. And then my my front yard, I reseeded a section from like the drought last year and the 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 plow guy this year kind of mangled it. So I was trying to let that kind of take root before I. Yeah, you got to give it some time. Yeah, I have to do that at some point this weekend. But no, I enjoy it. Mowing is probably my favorite outdoor activity, summer or winter. It's just kind of one of those things where it doesn't take any mental energy. Like it's just a mindless task, but I still feel very accomplished when I look back at what I did at the end of the hour. So, well, the, yeah, that part I agree. Like at the end, it's always great to like go out on the deck and look over your work. Yep. The actual task of mowing. We're not the same. I can't stand mowing. No, I love it. <laughs> I put put in my wireless headphones and I listen to. Howl history on 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 repeat, and I go just go for it. I see. Well, I'll, now we'll have a fresh episode for me to do it this weekend. Boom. I just it's the like the first couple times of the year, great. Once you hit like July and it's a hundred degrees and you're mowing and everything's like sticking to you, that sucks. Mm-hmm. No, I hear that. I I still enjoy. I don't mind being hot if I'm outside. That's just. I don't mind of, being hot if I'm outside. I don't yeah. want to be hot and dirty. Like, <laughs> You don't want grass stuck to you? Yeah, grass yeah. and like, right. dirt and twigs. And I hear you. I hear you. Well, this is not a lawn care podcast. If it was, people would, nobody would be listening because <laughs> it's not exactly my forte. But uh, let's bring it back to the Wolves. We've talked kind of at length, Chad, about the struggles and the challenges with, not only with the roster that the Timberwolves currently find themselves with, but the struggles and challenges of improving that roster as we head into this offseason. And Yes, we're going to always have the caveat that the people paid to make these decisions should have more resources at their disposal and more information available to make better decisions and find better options than we can. Um, but this wouldn't be a fun podcast if we just said, eh, Gupta will figure it out. We'll, we'll see you in the fall. So uh, here we are. We're going to take a look at kind of some of the things that we would like to see this happen, some of the targets that we'd like to see them at least make a call on, um, and then discuss whether or not that would make the team more fun, whether or not we may think that it would make the team more successful, and then even if there's a realistic avenue towards it happening. So we have a few a few trade candidates. We have a few free agent candidates. So, Chad, anybody that you want to get, kick us off with? Off with? Mm, no, aren't you? I, I think you've spent more, did more homework on this than me, so you probably have a longer list. It's so. true. It's the first time in my life that has happened that I did more homework than somebody else. <laughs> um, 
All right, so let's take a look at, you know, kind of the place that I started, and it probably came out of this first-round series against Memphis, was that the Timberwolves need to be better at defensive rebounding. They need to find a way to, you know, as we talked about in our last episode, either replace Vando as a power forward or subsidize Vando against certain lineups because the type of lineups that we're putting out there are either too small or too focused on using their athleticism for rebounding rather than their, their girth or their, their boxing out. You know, there's no technique rebounding out there. So guys can, you know, guys like Brandon Clark and Steve Adams can just kind of run roughshod over what we do. Um, so I went into a lot of both the free agents and trades lists, trying to identify players that could make a difference there. Um, the problem, the hard part where this comes out is that, you know, the value of Vando is A, in his offensive rebounding, and B, in the way that he can play defense out in the perimeter. And you don't want to sacrifice those things. So um, some of these names will be, let's try to improve on Vando, and some of these names will be, let's just get a different type of big to have, uh, you know, alongside him in our roster. So um, the first place that I kind of settled on, and the one that I, that kind of got me going on this whole topic, was um, Christian Wood in, in Houston seems to be a player that is recognized for having a significant amount of talent and would require perhaps a significant return to acquire, but is A, acquirable, because Houston seems to have gotten to the point where they're willing to move off of him as long as they get the necessary resources back to continue with their younger core as they move forward, and B, a power forward, which there just aren't a ton of in, in the league that would be available to us, and C, I, I don't know. I, I was texting you this. I feel like there's a sense that through his persona or through his attitude or whatever happens to be that he's not he's not yet viewed as a winner. Um, and I don't want to like and I think we have seen in Minnesota the the fault and the downfall of placing that label on guys um, without assuming that they can change that around or then be viewed as a winner if they're in a winning situation. So I think there's a a quote-unquote buy-low opportunity with Christian Wood. Um, while it still may take some significant resources to do so, whether that's draft picks or Beasley or a common, you know, both of those things most likely, I think it's going to, I think there is a trade to be had there. Um, so, you know, as I looked into him, he's very good at defensive rebounding. He's eighth in the league at defensive re- rebounding percentage at 30.4%, you know, first among non, non-pure centers. Um Vanderbilt, you know, for reference, was at 23.9% defensive rebounding percentage. So of all of the defensive rebounds available, Wood gathered more than 30% of them. He is not as good as Vando in offensive rebounding. They're only He's only 10th in the 10th percentile for team offensive rebounding percentage when he's on the floor. So um, he doesn't help there. So we would lose something with what Vando offers, but he's also a much better shooter. Houston was better with him on the floor. And, you know, it was just... He, if we're going to look at an upgrade, that's not going to cost us an arm and a leg. He's really the only option I was able to find. I, I mean, I like him, and I think, I think he is gettable as well. I mean, I'm not, I'm the least um, bothered by the is he a winner? Yeah. Conversation, uh, like I've just never thought that conversation means anything. I mean, it means something when you're talking about the Brady's and Jordans of the world, like, yeah, they're, they're winners because they've won multiple championships. But you're talking when, when you talk about, well, are they a contributor to a winning team? Well, like they're not the a side. They're not the the star of the Mm -hmm. team. So it's kind of hard to hang that noose around their neck to be like a winner when you're just a complimentary piece on a rebuilding young, bad team. So like, you know, I don't put anything into that that come part of the conversation. I think, you know, one of the things you and I touched on when we were texting about him back and forth was the style of rebounder is seems to be more that he uses a, his athleticism to get rebounds more than like brute strength and which not saying it's good or bad. I just, it feels like with this team, we need some size and strength. Mm-hmm. We need and somebody so, who's going to put a body out there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can get a, uh, a power forward, that's a good defensive rebounder, ideally for me, it would be one of those types of guys that's a little bit bigger and stronger mm-hmm. um, that can kind of help uh, in other areas, you know, and defend other big, like these Steven Adams is of the world's so cat can guard the power for whatever. Um, and I don't know that wood would help there. He, he feels like a little bit more of like a, a 
Robert Covington type of power forward in, in his a rebounding, you know, yep. aspects. Um, but I, but I also think he's the most realistic option without giving up a piece that I'm unwilling to give up, i.e. Jaden McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Beasley alone gets it done, but at least straight up, because I don't think Houston has any interest in another guard. Yeah, but that, doesn't, they, that straight up trade does not make sense for their roster. Yeah. So, if, but I do think a third team, it, it's plausible. Not plausible. I shouldn't say plausible. It's feasible that some other team will value Beasley enough to give up the assets that Houston needs in order for us to get Christian Wood. So, um, I definitely think it's one that's worth conversations for the, mm-hmm. the Wolves front office. Yeah, I think. I don't know. Thinking that any team would trade a significant piece of their their roster for Malik Beasley straight up makes me feel like a homer, even if it would end up being ultimately true. So I I tend to believe that it would take more, that it would take, you know, whether it's this year's first round pick or a future first round pick to get that done. I feel like there would have to be something there for Houston to say this makes us better in the future since that's what they're looking for. But like you said, maybe you bring in a third team, you never know what happens at that point. Yeah, I mean, if if Beasley becomes... That, again, we talked about him in the last episode about whether or not his three-point shooting was coming up during the most important stretches. And I think we both agreed it didn't. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, like, if you're another team, you're just looking at it, you're like, wow, he's the, you know, second or third, I don't know, he's top five in volume threes at a pretty high percentage. There's there's only a couple guys like that out there. Um, That's... That makes his value go up. There's a lot more Christian Woods out there, I guess, yeah. than there are Malik Beasley's. Obviously, Wood is a, like a probably a, just you know one for one a better player. Um, but I don't know that. Kind of to your point about the winning thing, I don't know if it's the winning thing, but I do think that maybe he's just this forgotten guy right now. I don't think there's any teams they're going to be lining up with Houston to try to get Christian Wood, I guess. Yeah, no, I hear that. I mean, and I think they would have trade. I think there were rumors that they were even open to trading him at the trade deadline. If somebody had offered what they wanted for him. So who knows what that, those conversations look like this off season, if they bring their number down or if another team, you know, decides this is the right time to blow it up or to make a big swing for something. I, and I don't know if Christian Wood even qualifies as a quote unquote, a big swing for something. Right, but he, you know, he's not Miles Turner. He's not getting even into the John Collins range. Yeah, I was just saying. For me, he's more that tier three, which is where well, and even like when you're talking tier three, you're t- talking tier three in terms of wish list. Like if if Turner was a number one, yep. I don't know. I guess I would probably keep Collins and Turner pretty close, but he Wood feels like a significant step below either of those two guys. And when we talked last year, last off season about the kind of offers we would need to get for either of those guys, those were, you know, more like the multiple picks mm-hmm. or a young player um, I- included with a Beasley or D'Lo or whoever, you know, that is the money side going back. But I think Collins and Turner, particularly Collins, especially last summer anyway, had a lot more value going into the off season than Wood currently has now. Like, I don't see... I don't even think Houston looks at Wood as like one of their foundational building pieces. I think he's a temporary piece until yep. they find the long-term answer. And I think most teams like the, and and the, this brings leads into a, the second guy that I would kind of bring up. Mm-hmm. But Wood would be the equivalent of what Bobby Portis was in Chicago a couple of years ago to me. And that if he got on the right team, it changes his reputation, right? Like when Bobby Portis was in Chicago, there yep. was people saying the same thing about him, like. Well, would he be any good on a good team? And you saw when he went to Milwaukee, I mean, he's been crucial for them in in stretches. And so, and he's another guy who's a free agent this year that obviously we couldn't just go out and sign because we don't have the cap run. But if if we were to make a move to free up space or to, you know, it's not going to be a sign trade of Milwaukee because we don't really have any assets that I really see them necessarily wanting. Um, Although maybe, you know, maybe a Nas Reed makes sense there if they, you know, go away from Lopez and, you know, just because Giannis, Giannis can make Nas look better. But anyway, Mm -hmm. the point being is uh, Bobby Portis would be another power forward. I would have some interest in um, the Wolves, at least looking at from a, whether it's just a signing somehow by freeing up more space or a, a trade of some kind. Yeah. I have Bobby Portis on the list too, for when we get down to the free agent list and he has a player option this year. So I I would be surprised if he, 
whether through declining the trade the player option and signing extension or just accepting you know picking up his player option would choose to leave Milwaukee for any reason there's there's very little reason for him to do that and I'm sure they'll get something worked out especially with the flexibility he gives them having him Giannis and Brooke Lopez to match up with really any different type of uh, offense that, that that teams might throw at them but he would be an amazing fit you know he was I mentioned the numbers from cleaningtheglass.com earlier for Vando for how much he impacts the te- his team's offensive and defensive rebounding. Uh, Portis is in the 84th percentile for how much he improves Milwaukee's offensive rebounding and in the 76th percentile for how much he improves their defensive rebounding. So they are a significantly better rebounding team on both sides of the ball when he's out there. He's in the 92nd percentile throughout the entire league for the net differential that he provides to his team. So his just on-off numbers. And then he's a 39% three-point shooter. So if we're talking about guys that can move their feet, play out at the level, they don't have to, you know, they don't have to play drop. And as he's not going to play drop, he's not that type of center, but he provides, you know, the size to play either the four or the five, depending on who's with him. He can gobble up rebounds on both sides and hit an open shot. Like a 27-year-old Bobby Portis would be an amazing fit. You know, if you're looking at him as at the Malik Beasley number, if you did a sign and trade, you know, that way or something like that. But I, I still doubt he leaves Milwaukee. But yeah, I absolutely would have him at the top of a, a two call about list. Yeah, I think the the only way he leaves Milwaukee is if he got a significant pay raise, right? Like I felt like his contract seemed low, the one that he resigned to mm-hmm. stay in Milwaukee, for what he did for that team. I was surprised that he was willing to take that. Yep. Low of a deal, but. Um, so, I mean, again, that would there's a, so many things that would have to happen for the Wolves to be able to make that kind of an offer to him um, in order to, to bring a guy like that in. But he would be an ideal basketball fit. Yeah, he would. You know, I just to close out the, the trade candidates or the guys to call about, just to fill a role, fill a gap, um, you know, I, I pulled up Cody Zeller. He would kind of be a hybrid between, you know, just being a backup five and trying to maybe trying to fill the Vando role. Neither of them can shoot, but Zeller does give you more size at that power forward position, can guard some fives, and he's he's also an amazing rebounder. You know, in the offensive-defensive team impact, he was 98th percentile on offense rebounding and 90th percentile on defense. So he's a guy who's just going to gobble up rebounds and, and give you some, some size at that position. So whether as a, a third big, a fourth big, whatever it happens to look like, he's a guy that I would target. Um, and then if you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel, you're just trying to find somebody... Uh, that could come in and be a big body. Derek Favors is still a good rebounder. Um, he can play drop. He can guard some of the, the more earthbound guys, be the exact opposite of a Nas Reed. Um, I, I can't be trusted about Derek Favors to talk about him because <laughs> I've always been a fan of him. So I'm always feeling like, in fact, you know what's funny is when he came into the league, you're the one that kind of got me to yeah. be a fan of him like because you were talking him up so much. And I'd pay a little bit more attention to him. And then also I became a big fan. You've moved off of him. I have not. I still really like him. <laughs> so I can't be trusted to like really evaluate him fairly. Um, on Zeller, I, the one thing I like about Zeller that I think he adds that some of these other guys don't is I think he's a better rim protector than some of these other guys. Yeah, like He's not like he's like, you know, Dikembe Mutombo, but he is a smart rim protector. Like just watching him in games with the Wolves play, like he always – kind of is a thorn in the wolf side because he's so smart with when he defends the rim versus like he's not a guy that's just chasing blocks like a um white side or somebody mm-hmm. like that but he he'll he'll slide over and block one that's really important for them you know for his teams um and he's been everywhere over the course of his career so like yeah i would have i mean and i think he could be had pretty cheaply because i i don't know what a situation is going to be next season but i mean he's always one of those guys that seems available right you know right you know so those are a couple of the other big big guy names that i came up with um i wouldn't be i wouldn't be opposed to either of them uh, at the right price and depending on what role they're, they're being brought into play you know neither of them are solving your shooting issue they're not making your offense any better um but zeller is an athlete he's going to be able to fill that vandal role and hopefully you know improve some power forward or some defensive rebounding from that power forward position next to cat so um you know, I, I think we would be remiss to not talk about Tori and Prince right now because we're kind of heading into the, the free agency portion of the conversation. And, you know, we, we held off the real discussion about him in our player recap episodes because he is a, an unrestricted free agent. We need to decide, is he is he a piece worth bringing back or is he somebody that if we were to take a look at him from a an unemotional point of view at, 
as if he wasn't on the Wolves last year, would he even be somebody that we'd be targeting? Um, so I think we were able to see throughout the course of the year the value he did provide, even if he started off slow, even if we were disappointed that they traded Ricky for him, and even if he didn't really play a role in the playoffs. Um, he, you know, he made that bench mob go at times. His shooting was, you know, really hot and cold, but, you know, really, really hot at times, you know, so he was able to come in and, and provide the value there and be a backup for, you know, a switch between the three and four positions, you know, on the bench unit. So, um, he's 28 years old. He does not help our rebounding at all. Um, so his on-off rebounding numbers, he was in the fourth percentile in offensive rebounding rate, 19th percentile in the defensive rebounding rate. So the Wolves were a much worse rebounding team when he was on the floor, which was probably why he didn't play much against Memphis. Um, but overall, I mean, on the season, he was a negative 3.8 points per possession player for, you know, for Minnesota, you know, when he was on, they were a worse team. So it's, it's tough. They were a better, they, you know, they're better shooting when he's on the floor. He can provide veteran leadership. I think they needed somebody like him next to Pat Bev. So Bev wasn't the only, you know, veteran who had been around the league in the, in the locker room. He was, he could take some of that a little bit, but um, I have a feeling they'll be bringing in one or two other veterans this offseason to try to subsidize some of their needs. So I don't know if he'll be as much of a need in that area. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on Torian Prince as we head into the next season? I actually think he does have a lot of value here. If so, if they if the team goes the direction that I think you and I both kind of hope they do, which is use Beasley as the trade chip to to upgrade a power forward. Mm-hmm. Then you have your other power forward, and then Prince becomes more valuable because A, he could be that spot up shooter, fill in some of what Beasley did, and B, he can be he what I think he was even this year, but he can be a little bit more in the position to be that three four guy off the bench. So it's like you know you, there might be nights that Jalen Noel plays going into next year more, or, but then the next night it might be Torian Prince gets those minutes because it's a bigger lineup, and he's playing more of the wing position um, with uh, you know conceivably a, a upgrade from Vando or at least a supplementary piece to Vando Vando and the other guy will have most of the power forward minutes locked up. So Torian won't have to play as many minutes there. I think part of his rebounding numbers suffered because he was constantly standing in the corner waiting for the ball. So yep. it's kind of hard for you to get a rebound when you're strictly a three point shooter. Right. Um, and so, you know, and even on defense, like when, when he, on the defensive side of the ball, he's, usually guarding a some some version of some perimeter player because mm-hmm. um so i think he has value that way i mean it, it now if if the the guy we get back is more of a roco style forward then maybe you don't need torian prince and and let's say it's a a roco style power forward and you keep um beasley too you're you're getting them some other way well then there's not really a spot for torian prince you can't justify whatever his salary is going to be i i suspect it'll be less than what he made this last year but I'm guessing he's still going to be in the eight, nine, ten million dollars. Maybe a mid-level exception guy at about yeah. ten million dollars a year, which which makes it tough because that's a hard number to offer to somebody if you don't know what their their role is going to be. So right. yeah, if we need more shooting off the bench because we don't have Beasley anymore, he has a larger role, like you said. If they their big rotation or their front court rotation calls for having somebody at the three four who can slide between those positions based on matchup, he has more of a value, more of a role. So I think it's just going to be weighing him really against the rest of this list because the mid-level exceptions really their only avenue towards bringing somebody in as a free agent this year and if you bring it's not that they can't re-sign prince and use a middle of accession i just don't know if that financially works for them so yeah i think he'll be one of those guys sort of like mclaughlin was last year but at a higher price tag but where prince there won't be a decision made on prince till late into this process yeah. like there'll be other chips falling first if he goes uh, out and gets an offer early i think he's gone but yeah, if if somebody gets out, I think you know he has said publicly that he wants to stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he wants to hold out and see what the Wolves are willing to offer, and if it's close, and he's willing to stay for even if it's just you know one or two million dollar difference, yep. um, I could see maybe him wanting to stay because he he might believe in his role on the team and then the the team's chance for success, depending on what the other team is that gives him an offer. I mean, look, Torian Prince showed enough where I could see a number of playoff contending teams valuing him on their squad. I mean, like Denver would be a good fit because you know, you don't know, like you can't trust MPJ to be 
healthy for the Christmas season. So he'd be a good three, four combo guy to slide in there as a, as a reserve. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of teams that could use a Torian Prince. Like he's, he's got value. Yeah, he absolutely has value. So like we said, we just have to see if there's a better fit out there. Um, and I don't know if there will be, he, he wouldn't be something, somebody that I would be opposed to bringing back, you know, even at a $10 million number, if it was for a shorter contract, but, uh, let's take a look at the rest of the assists. We already brought up Bobby, Bobby Portis, um, as, as a target, um, I have, I have the what I would term the nostalgic list of potential free agents heading into this offseason, including Zach Levine, Tyus Jones, Zika Rubio, Nemanja Bielitsa, and Wayne Ellington. Uh, if we were really looking to just run it back and try to give all those guys a chance to to come in and play in the playoffs for a Minnesota team, um, I don't know how many of them are realistic targets or would actually even make the team better at this point in their careers, but um, let's talk through them really quickly. Uh, Zach Levine, I, I threw him out there at the end of a, a previous episode on whether or not you would trade D'Angelo Russell in the signing trade for Zach Levine. I don't, I don't know if that makes Minnesota better. It's a weird fit, but I would be hard pressed to find a Timberwolves fan who has actually been watching the team for more than those last 12 months who would say no to that trade just because of all of the good feels. Yeah. I mean, I would absolutely do it. And one, I think Levine's a superior player to D'Lo one on, you know, straight up Two, I don't look like part of the thing that we, everyone sort of keeps dancing around is Dilo really wasn't a point guard here either. Like we didn't really have a point guard. We mm-hmm. had three primary ball handlers, really, you know, it wasn't really Dilo. It wasn't really Beverly. It wasn't really Ant. We, we sort of look at it as being Dilo because he averaged the most assists. But when you're actually watching the games, it was pretty even on who brought the ball up or at least initiate the offense. I think the, the big key, the reason where D'Lo got more assist than the other two guys is when he came in with the bench, he was for sure the point guard. Yeah. Um, so I, I say that because I think Levine is another guy who's a primary ball handler. I think him and Ant could certainly handle those duties. I don't think it necessarily makes our team better, but it definitely doesn't make our team worse. Right. What I, I'm concerned with is what, I brought up in the last episode, which is I don't want to surround Ant and Cat with other primary ball handlers, um, unless they're pass first ball handlers. I don't, I don't want another primary scorer. I would rather get a Rudy Gobert yeah. or a, a Lonzo Ball, um, a star that's like that, or a Ben Simmons, because those are the type of guys who aren't necessarily looking to get their own points, but are going to affect the game every other spot on the floor. So that would be the only knock on on Levine for me. Yeah, if I'm designing the perfect player to replace D'Lo with in the starting lineup, I'm not designing Zach Levine, but I'm not saying no to the offer either. Right. So yeah. we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. I think it's still very unlikely as much as we want it to happen, as much as I'm sure he'd be open to the idea of playing alongside Cat again. I, I, just, I don't know if the avenue is there. There are probably going to be better options for him, but um, I also don't know if Minnesota has a stomach for moving off of D'Lo yet. That's something that has not been proven or, or stated out loud or even hinted at. So Or that Chicago is going to... Yeah, if they'd want even want him back in that D-Lo, yeah, want D'Lo back for Levine when they can probably get other. There's yeah. going to be other offers out there. I think Levine's going to be a hot target this year. So frankly. if he if he just decides he's signing somewhere else, typically the return on a sign it's, and trade isn't amazing. Yeah, so sure. um, I could see, like D'Lo was the sign and trade for Kevin Durant, so he can be the sign yep. and trade for Zach Levine at the same time. So um, uh, like I said, Tyus Jones would be next on the list. I don't like. He's priced himself out of a, any team that's hoping to get him for the mid-level exception. And Minnesota's not going to be in a spot except for, once again, another sign-and-trade to offer him anything more. So um, I don't know if they really want to put all their eggs in that basket for a guy that we love and he is super valuable, but we're not sure if he's going to be a perfect fit at, at point guard long-term. If he's not your four- or five-year answer, I don't know if you want to just throw everything at him to bring him in at an $18 million a year offer and, and just hand him the keys. So. I love Tyus. I'd love to have him back, but I think the idea was much more appealing when it was he's just going to be the, the bench guy for Memphis, and then he'll be another mid-level guy heading into next year. Yeah, I mean, Tyus for me would definitely be more of a sentimental one. I he, I think he does obviously fit better on the starting lineup than Adilo. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me ask you this: like, if you're Memphis and you got Ja Morant as who you're building around, would you? So you have you have Bain as your one, like, elite three point shooter. Yep. Would you trade Tyus Jones in a sign and trade for Malik Beasley and Jordan McLaughlin? You get a poor man's version of Tyus Jones for mm-hmm. much cheaper in McLaughlin, and you get that second shooter 
that you know Beasley and Bain probably can't play together long stretches, but Beasley could have the similar role there as he did here, coming off the bench, filling up, you know, the bucket with yep. at least attempts. I don't think that's necessarily unreasonable. I don't think it's unreasonable either. But if we're looking at it from that point of view, does Minnesota make that trade? Does that make? Minnesota I don't know either. I'm, I, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just. I guess the reason why I bring it up is because I think. Part of the assumption we, we had at the end of the last episode was that the only way to get better was to trade D'Lo and or Jaden. And that Beasley was going to be hard to trade and get better without also giving up a bunch of picks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is a scenario where you're not giving up picks and you're not giving up any of those core guys. I And I yeah, think it's and, not like far-fetched. Yeah, I think I would consider Tyus to be a, a more impactful player than Malik Beasley. Um, so I, yes, if I could do a one for one, um, then yeah, then let's, let's do it. Let's take this, let's handle it and move forward. But I don't know if the opportunity for Tyus, especially if D'Lo is still on the roster is what it needs to be for him to be that impactful, as impactful as he could be. So I don't, I just don't think the resources are spent best there. I think the idea there would be you bring in Tyus in and whether or not D'Lo's on the roster opening, you know, starting the season off. He, he may be, but what you're telling Tyus is, look, D'Lo expires after this year, yep. and we're going to look to move him for another star player, you know, because of his salary, um, and you're going to be our point guard of the future, mm-hmm. Like, and the, the star player we're going to be looking for is another big, you know, so it's going to be you and Ant in the backcourt, you know where Cat's going to be there, it's yep. just a matter of you know, it's probably Jaden at the three. So we're really probably looking at a guy that can play the four or the five. Yeah. As and, another yeah. star player. And I mean, I, that, that roster, I don't know who they even know who the other guy is, but that roster feels like a winner. It feels more complete. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and if they're able to look that far down the road, if they're able to, you know, play chess, not checkers, then go for it and and, and make the move. Uh, Ricky Rubio, obviously he's somebody I'd love to have back for a third go around. I don't see it happening. I don't see any reason why he would choose to sign here. Um, as a free agent, the, the opportunity is not there, and we've already traded him away twice, so why would he come back and just to make me happy? Uh, Nemanja Bielitsa, he's a big guy. He plays for Golden State. I don't know if his value is going to be the same on Minnesota. He's just a, a former Wolf, and Wayne Ellington is more than past his prime at this point. So if we're looking for a 15th guy because we don't have Malik Beasley anymore and we just want somebody that can hit a shot in their four minutes a game, give him a call. But anybody else on that list that you think would be a – Worth. I mean, I don't want Wayne Ellington here because my wife's always kind of had a thing for him. <laughs> um, the rest of the guys, I mean, I don't think they make a, a big difference for us no. basketball-wise either. So I, I don't think I'm clamoring. I mean, obviously, Ricky, for the same reasons, you want him back. But, yeah, I think Ricky's more likely to play in Spain than play in Minnesota next year. So um, I don't think that's – and, I, again, we're, like you said with the resources, it's not the best use of the resources to add – like part of our problem, I really feel like, was that we had too many point guards on, the, on the roster as is, you know. Yeah. And so, to me, it's moving one of them to get a bigger. Like we're we're already too small. Like I want a big player, so I'm not using my mid level or any portion of it for another point guard, unless we've already made a trade. You know, yeah. D'Lo right. or Beverly went out for some reason. No, I hear that. All right, so we've made it through the nostalgia list. Uh, let's take a look at some more big men. Um, if we're not going the, the route of a trade, uh, here are some uh, free agents or potential free agents that are coming up this offseason. Um, take a look at Chris, Bouch- Chris Boucher in Toronto. Um, he's oddly already 29 years old, which shocked me. He feels like he's only been around for a couple years. And um, as much as a difference that he made on that team, they were five points better per possession when he was on the floor. Um it seems like he still he was never able to get out of you know into Nick Nurse's good graces like he just never was able to carve out a bigger role even when he's being impactful um so i don't know what necessarily that means i don't know if there's a reason for that or if he just was stuck behind some guys um but you know he's got that amazing wingspan he's able to shoot you know he's going to play multiple roles but once a guy another guy that's not going to beat you up with bulk or, or really you know take up his space on the floor he's going to be more athleticism in the front court so uh, he's a name I don't know if that does anything for you it does I like him a lot I, I think the age is the thing that concerns me the most of them um, he's another one where like kind of 
I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or we just talked about it privately, but when I keep talking about one of my hopes for Vando is that he's just a late bloomer like a Boucher or mm-hmm. like a Siakam. Toronto has a knack for like developing these power forwards slowly where they, they really don't emerge until they're in their mid to upper 20s as impact players. And um, so I like Boucher and I think, but we might have Boucher already. Like, I don't think Vandal's going to be the three-point shooter Boucher is. I get that. But he might develop a mid-range jumper yeah. that's reliable enough that, like, he creates a little bit more gravity to help open things up. Um, it's just, like, he just has to be a 35% from two yeah, uh, right. jump shooter anyway, you know? So so that, that's Boucher. Um, probably my... My dream scenario, if we're talking about subsidizing our front court with the right guy to play against certain matchups, is that Yusuf Nurkic is a free agent this year. I don't know. I don't know if the league has changed enough for him to be only worth the mid level at his age and with his injury history. He might be. Like I could see that world where his stock has just dropped enough that he's going to go to a quote unquote winner in the right position, but. Um, the problem is, I think if he's going to choose Minnesota as the winner, he's going to for a slight discount. He's going to do it under the expectation that he's starting, um, and I would only want that happening in certain matchups. So he's he's an amazing defensive rebounder. He's third in the league in defensive rebounding percentage. So that's kind of the large role he plays. But he's a drop drop defense center, and he's going to just make you know Minnesota's going to play a different style when he's on the floor than when Bando's on the floor, or even if he's out there instead of Cat in certain situations. So he's another guy I'm a big fan of, like favors. I've always been a Nurkic fan. Um, the one avenue maybe that he would be interested in coming here is, I don't know if their times overlap, but did Chris Finch coach in Denver when Nurkic was still there? Or was that after I Nurkic? believe so, because he kind of had to build the offense around Nurkic and Jokic, and then he had to go build the offense around uh, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, so I thought their times might have overlapped. So he might have an affinity for playing for Finch and he might be able to willing to take a little less. It's also to your point about the, it has this value come down the last few years, big men, there's like two or three that get like a deal that you're like, what, why, yeah. would, why, who pay, why would you pay them that much? But then ever all the rest of the big men seem to be way underpaid. Um, it's because it is a guard driven league. So Nurkic has to be one of those top two or three bigs to get that deal. Or I think he'll be cheap. Like, I think he'll be mid-level or below, frankly. Like, he might take a one-year deal somewhere mm-hmm. just to mm-hmm. kind of prove that he's healthy, prove that he can stay on the floor. So he he's a guy that I did jot down on my list because I would have strong interest in him. Um, whether he starts or not, he might be okay not starting if he was just promised that third big role yeah. where he is going to start some games. He's going to play 25, 30 minutes a night, which... If he's going to be our Bobby Portis. Our Bobby Portis, yeah. yep. So, yeah, I mean, I could see that. So that's why I put him down. Like, I didn't want to put anybody that was unrealistic on the list. You know, I had Miles Bridges on here for a while. I was like, that doesn't, not only does that not make any sense for what Minnesota needs, but he's also going to be, you know, overpriced for what we're looking for. So I think he's realistic. I think he could be a target that we could continue to talk about. Um, it, you know, moving down the rest of the, the big man list, there's Mitchell Robinson in New York. They kind of have seemed to fall in and out of love with him over the last few years. He's had an injury history as well and had a hard time staying on the floor. He is the league's second best rim, you know, rim defender in terms of block percentage, um, according to basketball reference. So he would provide a different look. That's for sure. He's, he's going to be the athletic, you know, shot blocking five that Minnesota's never really had. And I think we've talked about at least Timberwolves Twitter has talked about him in the past, you know, a couple of years ago as being a target at certain times, depending on whether or not Tibbs was enamored with him at that moment. But um, I think his injury history makes him worrisome. I think you would be struggled to figure out how much to exactly offer him. Um, and maybe he gets more elsewhere, but he's another name. I think he gets more than Nurkic this summer from somebody mm-hmm. uh, because he's younger. He's He fits the mold of the modern big man a little better because he's more of an athletic player than like Nurkic um so I I well would I have interest sure I just think he's less likely yeah less realistic than some of these other guys on the list yeah that makes sense you know I also in the same vein I had Mo Bamba listed but he's a restricted free agent he spiked his value this year especially adding a three-point shot so I don't see that as necessarily a realistic option he's going to be more in the mid-level um the next two big guys oddly enough play for the same team it was I had Ivica Zubac and uh 
Isaiah Hartenstein from the Clippers. They're two fairly different styles of center, but they're both seven feet, one inch tall and, you know, would provide more of a bigger body and remove one of those guys that seems to give us trouble whenever we play them. So uh, Zubats is 20, you know, is a, a very good rebounder. His numbers are very similar to um, Vanderbilt's in terms of rebounding, but given, you know, playing at center size offers something a little bit different, even more so than Vanderbilt does. Um, and you wouldn't bring him in to replace Vando. It would be a you know, a third big able to play next to him or play next to Cat, depending on the matchups. And then the problem with Zubats, though, is that the Clippers are significantly worse with, with him on the floor this year, um, which brings us to Hartenstein when they were significantly better with him on the floor, even though he's a worse rebounder than, than Zubats is. So I don't know necessarily which one you would, would pick or target if you're looking for to choose one, but with them having both those guys, it would be hard to see them bringing them both back on free agent deals. Yeah, I think one of them gets paid from the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, what does the other one get offered in the open market? If I, I like them both as well. I feel like the, I think both of them will end up being outside of our price range from a straight up signing yeah. um, at the end of the day. I, for example, I think both of them end up making more money than Nurkic. Sure. So I think it's why I like Nurkic better on that list. Like, would I rather have Hartenstein, for example, over Nurkic? Probably just because I think he has a little bit more availability to him. Like, I think he'll be a yeah. healthier and stuff. But um, I think Nurkic is the more realistic one of those three. Like, to me, those guys are all centers, right? Like, so like, yep, yep, yep. I think Nurkic fit is the most realistic of those. Right. I mean, like you said, if if maybe the top few centers go off the board, and, you know, that includes Bamba or Mitchell Robinson or whatever happens to be those big offers go, and... You know, Nurkic, Zubats, and Hartenstein are all there. They're very, very fairly similar players. They specialize mm-hmm. in different areas. Hartenstein happens to be 24 years old, so that's his main advantage. Right. Um, so yeah, there are going to be pluses and minuses for each of them according to what their skill sets are. Uh, the last, that's big. The last true center that I had in my list was Bismack Biombo. He's kind of found a, a place for himself at Phoenix this year. Um, they aren't as good when he's on the floor. You know, according to his on-off on numbers, um, but they have some very good centers on that roster. They have DeAndre Ayton, they have JaVale McGee. So um, whether or not he's able to step in and, and fill those shoes, or if he's just playing a certain role that Phoenix isn't quite as good when he plays as they are when the other two are on the floor. Um, but he's, he's always been one of the league's best rebounders, depending on how many minutes you're willing to give him. I, my only note was that if you sign him, you have to fulfill a, a decade old fantasy and sign Ricky Rubio to go with him so that they can play together. And the tough thing with him is, he kind of has the same problems on offense as Vando does where it like, you know, when we talk about supplementing Vando, he's probably the guy that fits that the most because he's a him or Vando on the floor at the same, they're never on the floor at the same time because it's the offense would implode. So it's, it's either or. Um, And so I think from that standpoint, he becomes less desirable because he's not as flexible to use as some of these other guys that we've talked about. Now you have a, him and Nas coming off the bench, mm-hmm. assuming Nas still here, he he does help cover up for a lot of things Nas isn't good at. Yeah, he's a rebounder, he's a shot blocker. Yeah, yeah, and also maybe Nas becomes a lot more valuable to you if you have him next to Biombo. So right, so if you, I mean if you're taking like a trading for Derek Favors or signing Bismack Biombo, I think they're both kind of in a role of third center even on the, their current rosters they're not going to break the bank they're not going to be guys that demand a, a minute you know a million minutes throughout the course of a season so um he would be a guy like i said like you just said he would be playing alongside Nas in the back you know in the backup big spots and just trying to provide something we don't have or allowing the team to just be bigger you know when, with more guys on the floor so um obviously not a first day target of free agency but just another name so I took a look at a few guards as well, um, a few guards' wings, not necessarily because that's exactly what we need, um, but just because there were some younger guys who are hitting free agency, whether through um, restricted free agency or just straight up uh, unrestricted free agency that are, are intriguing. Um, I wrote down Gary Payton II, despite his, his fractured elbow right now. I know that his name has gotten a lot bigger over the past few months with the role that he plays for Golden State. He, They play much better when he's on the floor, and he you know, is considered to be one of the best defensive guards in the world you know so if they always said if his jump shot came along that he was even serviceable he'd be somebody that was worth a a, you know 
buttload of money, but and it has. His, he's been hitting his shots this year. I still don't think people really trust it because he hasn't taken a ton of them. It's a fairly small sample size. But um, if you could, I think one of the things I'm constantly looking for, especially over these next 12 months, is how we are going to eventually replace Pat Bev um, to have a defensive, you know, a smaller defensive, small, quick defensive guard in our, in our rotation. Um, so he'd be a guy that would probably would fit that, you know, long-term. I don't know what he's going to demand this year. I don't know what his market's going to look like, but he's somebody to take a look at. I love him as a player. I think, yeah, the fit right now is, like, how do you bring him in here and get him minutes this year? Um, I just, I don't see, he's obviously not going to take D'Lo or Mm -hmm. Beverly minutes. And then do you want him taking McLaughlin or Jalen Noel minutes? You probably do in certain matchups because of his defense. Yep. But Noel, I think, is a more polished scorer, and McLaughlin is a better facilitator getting everybody else going. So it's like it's tough. He he kind of slides into the same level of importance or use as those as McLaughlin and Noel mm-hmm. next season. But to your point, I think he has a brighter future here then either Noel or McLaughlin might because he could slide right into that Beverly role when Beverly's gone. So all of a sudden he becomes one. It's, so it's kind of like the Tyus thing that I said earlier yeah. where you have to kind of convince them that, okay, minutes might be hard to come by early in this year, this season, but like if you stick with us, you're a big part of our future. Yeah. And would he like, would he get a better offer from someone else? Um, maybe like for a guy as young as he is, knowing who his dad is, like, would he be more apt to just say, I don't care if I'm playing on the Rockets, the worst team in the league. I want my minutes. But I, I get yeah. 40 minutes a night. I'm going to get a $20 million contract when that's done. You know, like, yep. he could be. Yeah. So I, I don't see that as likely. I, don't, I really don't see any reason why Golden State should let him leave because they need as many young athletic players as they can. Um, and I, I, think, I think Golden State will look to shop Jordan Poole while he's, his value is high. To be able to keep Peyton, maybe on that roster. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, I wrote down Jay Sean Tate as a small forward. Not necessarily. I have no stats to back this up. I have like no like evidence. Like I have had the rest of these guys. He just seems to be a very very solid role player um, in his time with Houston, and he's one of the few guys that is constantly on the floor. That is constantly making game changing plays. He's constantly doing you know in the right position, doing his job, and they just seem to be better when he's out there. And then this a very small sample size of watching the wolves against the rockets when we're up by 30. Um, but at the same time, he's, he's older than you would expect him to be for only having a couple of years in the league. And he doesn't have a large, a high ceiling, but he just seems to be one of those winning players, you know, in, in the times that I've watched him. He's good. He's another one. It's on my fantasy league, a fantasy team that we're in our, the league yeah. together. So you've, you've kind of picked on a couple of my, <laughs> my player. We, we might have to work on a trade. Right. Um, yeah. So he, he is another guy. Like he's another guy that like, you bring him in, and I really don't think D'Lo's going anywhere because they right. play together. Yeah. You know, Good there's another connection State. there. Yep. yep. So it's like it makes it really hard to to move off of D'Lo with you know Cat and mm-hmm. and Tate here as well. So and then the, the last one I, I kind of really want to go into um, and dive into is one I, I worked up a bit, and it's going to come from the smallest of small sample sizes. So I need you to stick with me on this one. Aaron Holiday was traded to the Phoenix Suns with 22 games left in this season. Over those 22 games, with one start, he shot over 40% from three, and Phoenix was significantly better on both sides of the ball at rebounding when he was on the floor. He averaged 15 points, 7.5 assists, 5.5 rebounds per 36 minutes when he was playing. Like They were the best 22 games of his career, and he's had good years. He's had bad years. He's been kind of up and down ever since he came in. He's been somebody I've slightly watched. You know, you just mentioned our fantasy league. I think I had him as a rookie in our fantasy league, and he did nothing. Just he didn't get the minutes, and um, Indiana didn't use him a whole lot. But he's been somebody I've, I've, I've been watching, and he's got the pedigree. He's got the, that holiday name um, just that's worth the attention. But as a restricted free agent, as somebody that – I don't know if is going to get many offers this off season. He feels very much like a Jared Vanderbilt coming into last off season for us. Like the attention just might not have been there nationally for what his potential is. Um, I think he would be a guy that if you're taking a flyer on somebody for trying to bring in a young guy to impact your team in 
unexpected ways, he'd be a, a guard or a one slash two that I would bring in that I think could make up some of the weaknesses in our front court rebounding as well as being a good defensive guard, hit some open shots. So he'd be a guy I'd definitely take a flyer on. He's another guy that I like a lot as well. And I think he's another one, like I said, about favors that you kind of sold me on. I think probably in our fantasy league when you, you had, and I'm like, oh, I do kind of like, I mean, I'm a big Drew Holiday fan. So it's like the, I think you and I both have a little bit of this. I think you have a more of it than me where like Giannis's brother, you're like, let's just get him. Right. Like, we, yeah. we have no idea. You know, um, I, so I'm not just because they're, they share DNA. Do I think that they're out, automatically be good? However, with with the holidays, there's a big part of it that's work ethic and just determination. It's up to their game. Like Giannis is the Greek freak. Like he might have his brother might share DNA, but he's not the Greek freak. Like no. there's a yeah. there's a Giannis has something that other human beings don't have, and doesn't. It's not DNA. It's you know, and but Drew Holiday and to a lesser extent, his brother Aaron have like the same work ethic and the, you know, like they're not blessed with freak. They're like six feet tall. Like they're not, they don't have the physical tools that um, like the, uh, some of these other siblings have, you know, where you're like, well, one, one's really good. One's not, you know, kind of thing. Um, that being said, again, I think he falls in the exact same issue that we talked about with Gary Payton Jr. Is that, who are you moving him in for until Beverly's no longer on the team? I think he's another guy that fits perfectly in that Patrick Beverly role, but I don't know that right now he's taking minutes from either Beverly or D'Lo, and then he might take more minutes from a Jordan McLaughlin. I think Jalen Noel is still like in his roller coaster of minutes where he's going to play a lot one night and not yep. play at all the next. Um, so I think it's Jordan, Jordan McLaughlin who's on oh who I'm who neither of us are unhappy with. <laughs> His right, performance. Right. So it, that's where the problem for me is. Again, I, I think it's a smart like investment move because I think he would be have a better future than some of these other guys we've talked about, have more upside than some of these other guys we talked about. I just I, I find it problematic to, to want to lure him here with a small role and where we can go with him from going forward. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to shush my dog because there's a lawn service outside and he's uh, he's getting ready to bark. So we're going to hear that very soon. <laughs> Um, no, and I agree with that, but I also think that he is perhaps even less well-known than Gary Payton II, uh, which is surprising for his last name, the number of years that he's been in league versus Gary Payton, you know, um, who also has the pedigree and he also has the Yeah, I think that's definitely but, true for fans. Yeah. I don't know that coaches are any less aware of Aaron Holiday as they are Gary Payton. Right, but he's also, I mean, he's been, he's been on his third team. He was traded midseason. He's never really gotten minutes wherever he's gone. So it's not like he has won things over. So I think there's there's more of a chance of him being willing to come on without guaranteed minutes than Gary Payton. So he would just be a guy that I would keep my eye on if, for some reason, Minnesota decided to move one of their current backcourt players in a deal and they had an open spot or some open minutes. He would be definitely one of those um, later call guys, I'd be like, you know what, just bring him in. I think there's a ton of untapped potential there. Give him some minutes, see what he can do around, you know, around some different players. So um, that's kind of my list. Anybody that you wanted to add before we go? Um, I had a couple couple quick ones we don't have to even spend much time on, but just from a free agent list, I had Marvin Bagley and Jermichael Green on the list. Now, Bagley would be one of those guys that you're like, had a lot bigger upside coming into the league and never really delivered on it. And could he in a new environment um, maybe deliver on it next to a guy like cat, you know, he's, he's certainly a better offensive player than Vando, um, but he doesn't do some of the other things. So he's a guy that would supplement Vando, yep. but with a higher upside. Um, and then Jermichael green again, would be another guy that would supplement Vando. He feels like the type of guy that would be in that platoon power forward group, like Memphis, deploys that i sort of feel like what might be the smartest avenue for the wolves so you're not giving up on one of these other big assets to either hold on to because they could develop here or you can use them later down the road like i think delo is a asset that we either i think we give him a little bit more time to figure out if, if finch can make it work with him here and if not he's more, worth more when it's closer to his ex, expiration um so that's the, the one there and then i had a couple trade scenarios that I also had on my list. I, I, did you want to comment on Bagley or? 
Yeah, I mean, I think Bagley's going to be one of those guys that I would assume is going to get a shorter term deal this offseason just because he's going to he's still in a prove it stage. He hasn't really gone anywhere where he's taken advantage of a situation. But I think the league sees enough potential in him that he's not just going to go sign for a a four year, $30 million contract and just accept where he's at. He'll probably, you know, look for a one year with a one year player option or something like that. So I could see that um, if you want to bring in a guy that has a chance to blow up and be a long term starter. Um, Jermichael Green feels very much like a choose him or Torian Prince guy. Um, you know, I th- so if you're looking for a three slash four, somebody that's going to come in and play a different role at power forward, I can see that as well. Yeah, and Jermichael would be a guy that if Beasley stayed, Jermichael might do things that Torian yeah. Yeah. doesn't do as well and, and vice versa. Uh, and then so my trades, like one, I, I bring him up all the time, Nerlens Noel. Like he was the difference maker when New York made it to the playoffs, I felt like for them. They kind of fell out of love with him. Like, Tips fell out of love with everybody, unless you're Jimmy Butler. And he didn't do much with Nerlens Noel this year, so I think he could be had cheaply. Um, so he'd be one. Yep. He, again, he also has some some things he doesn't do well. The other one, the big, and I, I don't think you're going to like this one, and you're the one that was more advocating trading D'Lo than I was, but if you were to trade D'Lo, one, I have two scenarios to trade D'Lo that I'd be okay with, because I don't think either of them require Jaden McDaniels. Okay. And that's that's my yep. deal breaker with trading D'Lo. It's not D'Lo himself. But one would be Porzingis. I still am fascinated with pairing Porzingis and Towns together because he's taller than Towns, but right. plays yep. more of the four. Um, he can shoot. He can rebound. He, like, he does the things that you need. And I don't think he impacts Ant detrimentally on offense because – Ant will still dictate whether when he gets the ball, mm-hmm. right? So like Ant will still be the the focal point from the backcourt. It's just he might maybe he impacts a little bit of what Towns' offense is like. I don't think I think they'd be able to figure it out. Uh, so that would be the other one. And then the other trade for D'Lo that I had on my list was trading them. And I don't know for sure if if the Hornets would do this, but you're trading D'Lo and Beasley for Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. Because I think LaMelo and D'Lo fit better than Terry Rozier and LaMelo fit. Mm-hmm. And then Beasley becomes a shooter. I, you know, Hayward, it felt like to me this year that Hayward became less important to their team after they did everything they did to go get him. Um, and they did, they, they took, I don't, I don't know what their final record ended up being, but felt like they took a step back this year, not a step forward. And that has got to, be a little bit of a problem when you know you yeah. just drafted Lamelo last year. Yeah, I mean, I can see. I see Przingis. I think we've. I, I have warmed up to that more over the last couple of years. Bringing on. The longer we go, the less I am convinced that he's just like returning from injury. You know, and there's un, untapped potential there. Um, but I still think that that's still sitting out there as a possibility. Um. I don't, and the cost to acquire him also keeps going down. Right, right. With that possibility of him just returning from an injury. So you know, if if Washington is trading Bradley Beal this off season, or if they like what they used to have with Westbrook and Beal, and they just want the two guard scenario again for a couple guys to, to trade up, I could see that being an option for them. Um, I think I'd have to think about it longer. You know, in yeah, terms not, of making it's not deal, something but either. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hayward and and Rozier. I see it. I see Hayward as a very valuable player that we could go get if he's healthy, which is just always the challenge with him. He's missed so much time over the past few seasons. Um, and I don't think you're getting him if he's fully. If, yeah. if, if you were guaranteed he was going to be fully healthy, you're not getting him for D'Lo and Beasley. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So I, I think there's value there. I think he's a he would be a perfect fit in between some of our players. Um, I don't know if you are then starting Jaden at power forward. Um no, I'd supply. I mean, they, they're a little bit interchangeable. Yeah, I think Hayward's still my four. Jaden's my three. Yeah, so he's he's got more girth to him. He's st- you know st- still only six seven, so you're not getting a traditional yep. power forward there. So yep. I see it. I see the value in the trade and just having something different. Um, but I think they are, like you said, and you know as people have recognized, teams are winning teams when he's healthy and playing. It's just when is that going to happen? So. Um, I like them both. I like them both as options, especially to con- keep considering to take a look at and see what the, the cost would be. So um, I like it, Chad. Let's keep talking. Like I said, we're going to uh, take a look at each ind- individual 
division within the league uh, one at a time, try to deep dive into some of the rosters, what they might need, what they would be able to offer the Timberwolves, and, and figure out exactly where we're going from here. So, uh, Chad, once again, thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll see you soon. All right, man. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Talk to you. Take care. Bye.